Big shout out to everybody at the Hobie Bass Open Series on the Coosa River chain. Congratulations. Day one has concluded and the leaderboard is filled up with some 20 inch fish. Currently in the lead, Jordan Marshall with 92.25 inches of fish. Second place, Brian Coyne with 89.25 inches of fish. And the pride of Beachmont, Eric Siddiqui, who also has the largest bass of the tournament, a massive 22-inch bass that he caught first thing in the morning. It's going to be a tight race. Day two is underway already. Uh, stay tuned for those final updates. Congratulations once again to everybody down there at the Hobie Bass Open Series. Good luck, everybody. Let's catch some big fish in the Coosa River. This article goes out to the Strictly Sail team and specifically a kayak angler that goes by the name of Bert Guthouse Jr., the patent of kayak bass fishing. This story was in the Bassmaster Magazine, September 14th, 2014, and it's titled Fishing, Indian Cigars, and the Catawba Tree. This article was written by Harold Shambliss. I like good cigars and always enjoy the cigar reviews and rankings by cigar magazines. In a recent issue of Cigar Aficionado, here's what they had to say about the Arturo Fuente Don Carlos number two. This reddish colored torpedo burns and draws superbly, balancing nut and coca flavor with a touch of red pepper spice and sweet cedar. Price? $12.60. Now my palate is not sophisticated enough to recognize Coke and red pepper sweet cedar when it's on fire, but I do know what smokes well and is pleasing to my taste buds. In fact, I'm somewhat of an aficionado myself when it comes to wild growing quote Indian cigars. Due to my vast experience as a kid who tended to try almost anything at least once. If you're a fisherman, you know something about the Catawba tree. Catawba, if you're a northerner. But growing up in the deep south, as kids akin to Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer, and Little Rascals, we were introduced to the, to the Catawba tree as a source for fish bait. Big fat Catawba worms could be found on the green leaves of the Catawba trees that grew around the fish ponds. My daddy owned a fish pond in Wild Fork, Alabama, named after himself, called Lake Lump. You might not think that's very sophisticated until you realize he always fished in a dress shirt and a tie at the end of the workday. Hey, the old time golfers dress that way too. I mean, look it up. But even though my pals and I always had a good supply of catawba worms for fishing, the most amazing thing was that the seed pods that grew on the catawba trees doubled as cigars. When they dried out, they looked like long, narrow, black cigars, so we did the logical thing. We lit them up and we smoked them. They were a lot cheaper than real cigars at the time, which could cost as much as 30 or 40 cents if you bought a brand name such as Swisher Sweet which we did when we were flush. Maybe it was 30 cents for a package of five, come to think of it. 
Anyway, we always had our cigars and our fish bait. In truth, there weren't what you'd call delicious, and they wouldn't stay lit. The cigars, not the worms. Now, the Catawba worms, getting back to fishing, on one particular late afternoon provided us with the highlight of our activities for that entire summer. Sam Morton and Robert Lewis were fishing the shady west side long-laden spillway in my daddy's home-built Georgiana Whaler. There were no Boston Whalers in Butler County. When Robert, trying to light his swisher sweet, knocked their bucket of Catawba worms into the water, before they could scoop any up, the water started churning. And within about a minute, there were fish jumping and literally turning flips in a sort of a fish Olympics to get at those big, fat worms. Well, the fish won, and my buddies didn't have a single worm. However, the bass and the bream had given away their positions. Big tactical mistake. I use the word tactical because we always fished in our army surplus stuff, including helmet liners, and everything was a military operation. Being as World War II heroics were still fresh in our underused minds. So we reloaded from the Catawba tree and attacked their position from the bank and caught more fish than any of us have ever seen. Sam, in spite of stepping on a python and screaming things we'd only seen written on the L&N Railroad underpass, caught nine good-sized bream and a six-pound bass all in a little more than 20 minutes. Actually, Sam's python was just an overgrown water snake, but Sam's reaction was based on a python. Robert caught six or seven bream and one bass. I caught four bream and a turtle that had joined in the Catawba banquet. I threw him back, but not until he nipped off the end of my thumb. My first experience with catch and high speed release. Once more, back to the scars. Here's how Sam, who has a great memory, writes up an Indian cigar in cigar aficionado terms. The Lake Lump, 1956, Longsdale, six and a half inches free. An easy drawing cigar if you don't mind your cheeks caving in as you try to keep it lit. Somewhat of a roasted frog aroma at first, followed by manly overtones of burning BF Goodrich tractor tires. The finish is superb, especially when you get through throwing up and get back to fishing. Sam also added, but not for publication, that all in all, This particular cigar provided a fascinating experience, accompanied by dizziness, shortness of breath, and guilt. Knowing Miss Ann's, Sam's mama, made it quite clear that if she caught him smoking, he would have to give up fishing, camping, out and hanging out with me, Robert and Rabbit Rao, another pal who missed this particular adventure. Now I'm reminded of Rabbit Tobacco which also grew wild in our neck of the woods, but that's another story except for this bit of inside information. Rabbit tobacco was for chewing or smoking wrapped in newspaper or the Saturday Evening Post paper stock. Rabbit tobacco had more to do with baseball or hunting, but for now, let's not take anything away from the Indian cigars. Fishing and the adventures of good boyhood friends who need to get together wet a hook, 
and try those Arturo Fuente Don Carlos number twos. And as they used to tell us in the army, smoke them if you got them, gentlemen. Harold Shambliss is a freelance writer living in Atlanta, a native Alabamian and a graduate of the University of Alabama. Well, the pride of Beachmont, Eric Siddiqui, wasn't able to dig in on that second day on the Coosa River to get any further past that third place position that he held on the first day at the Hobie Bass Open Series, but he was able to hold on to that big bass cash money sponsored by Brad Ull and the great people at Bassin Magazine. Just a tank of a fish, a monster 22-inch bridge dweller he caught on a jackhammer. That my friends is the best part of waking up is right there put a fish like that in your cup on the second day the final day a new champion was crowned at the coosa river alabama hobie bass open just two inches separated the top three lance cooley taking the third spot and his ticket to the hobie bass open tournament of champions josh richard taking second place and the champion in first place Coley McGowan. Coley was awarded a big check from AJ and the rest of the Hobie Bass Open Series family. Good job, Coley. We will see you at the Tournament of Champions at the Hobie Bass Open Series. <laughs>